This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The PAP was forming a new media community, right? To create right. anonymous accounts and to go into blogs and forums to basically dispel or to rebut like anti-establishment Oh news. shit! It's getting really difficult to support the government. This is your daily catch-up. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the Daily Catch-Up Podcast so far, remember to drop us a like and hit that notification button. So John Paul's not feeling too good today, and so... It's not choking here. It's not yeah, COVID. Yeah, choking, I don't know. Uh, you saw the puppy, choking. So anyway, we invited uh, John Paul's friend, actually. His name is uh, Donovan Choi. Woo! Uh, intelligence level so, overall. Uh, correct, correct. So <laughs> he's bringing up the intelligence uh, average here. <laughs> All the stupidness. So he's a published author. This guy writes about, like, liberal politics and stuff. Right? Like, mm. I tried to read his book. Like, you know, as a friend, I struggled for three hours <laughs> that I went to sleep. There's a lot of highbrow nerdy shit. If you um, follow Vulcan Post and you see that I do some policy videos on trade-offs, uh, Don helps me out with those scripts as well. And so that's how we kind of became friends. And today we're going to talk about the uh, suspension of TOC, the online citizen. So, yep. he just dropped it uh, right before we started filming that he uh, used to write for TOC, sir! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What was I mean, that about? I mean, so I've been into politics for really, really long, right? Um, published my book last year, but I was into politics like 2015, 16. And as most Singaporeans, I think, who get their start in politics, they will be very focused on what's being published in social media because that's where you get all the most like deranged and like yeah. inflammatory stuff, right? So publishing on like TLC, I think I think way back way, I just submitted like one or two articles and then it, it got accepted by the editor. Yeah, but... You. <laughs> oh, oh no, it was just it was just exposure. So, yeah, it, oh, it wasn't it wasn't exposure. Oh, you, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, then why you think... charge me so much for <laughs> I didn't know you accept exposure, dude. <laughs> this she was told like me, like, six years ago. <laughs> I had enough exposure already. <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah. The reason why TOC is being suspended or their mm. license being suspended is because they did not disclose all of disclose. Ooh, yeah, okay. Disclose all of did I say disclose? You did. Disclose all of their um funding and all of their donors. Yeah. Uh, and so that was kind of the reason. And so on one end, I think the government is saying that we're trying to prevent there being foreign actors or foreign players that are intervening in the discourse around politics yeah. in Singapore. Uh, we've seen, you know, Russian in, uh, Russia interfering with like US elections and things like that. And we don't want that to happen. And even in, in US, I mean, I forgot the exact dates and, and the, the name of the ambassador, but there was a point in Singapore's early history where there's an American ambassador that was in Singapore. Yeah. And he recruited a bunch of lawyers to form an Ooh. opposition to challenge PAP to make sure that PAP does not have a stronghold. It was to the point that he, I think, I believe that the US ambassador, or I think he was the first secretary of the US embassy, right? He even offered refuge to one of the lawyers to say that if you come across any trouble in Singapore because you're opposition, right? You can seek refuge in America. Like, and they did, right? It. Yeah, I think one of them did. Wow. Yeah, and they, they funded everything. No, so how did, how did we find <coughs> that out then? That's a good question. Uh-huh. Great question. <laughs> Whistleblower law. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. When was this? 
This was around 1980s, 1986, I believe. Mm. Um, oh, uh, I'll double check. Yeah. <laughs> no, hey, you should read, lah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like. No, no, it's like. What, what you do when you wake up in the morning? You don't read it. <laughs> but yeah, I know TLC is. Uh, they they are not exactly a lucrative uh, media operation, right? Yeah, and sure. they they take any um, writing articles that they get. At least I think that's the that, that was used to be the case. I don't know if it's still the, is the case. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I don't read TOC. I always thought they were like a clickbaity like channel. Yeah. Also because their website is ugly, so I don't trust them. <laughs> it's like yeah, I go inside, yeah. it looks a bit unprofessional. Then you are UX important. Yeah. Yeah, no, me neither. Me neither. I, I barely even read anymore, right? The only time I read it is when there's like some huge drama or scandal and then, you know, they just want to leap on like the 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 outrage and publish something. Then I'll just see the headline passing. But I, I don't think that most people read TOC seriously. I think it's just like a... No, I think many do. I think many do. Really? Do you think of Because I... Okay, I feel like there is a segment of society that is just not as lucky or not as privileged. Yep. And so they are looking for a way to see if all the mm. hurdles they go through in life, right, could actually be someone else's fault. Mm. It's quite easy to... Pinpoint pay, it. Uh, to say it's the, it's the government in that sense, lah, because this, they have this notion that I pay your salary and you're supposed to take care of me. And so when they don't feel taken care of, I feel like TOC as, as a media outlet provides a lot of uh, assurances for them. La, like a confirmation of sorts. Confirm yeah, yeah, your life is shit. Because mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you elected bad ministers. La. I, I think there's also another case where I think there are generally a subset of the population that likes to hate on the government. And so coming to sites like TOC provides them with the reasons and the feel to go, oh yes, this is another reason why I hate the government. Or this is today's reason why I hate the government. Actually, my parents, right, so they are in the camp of the we just want to be anti-government because government has too much power. So, (laughs) for example, when it comes to voting, they will say we need to vote opposition so that they can have like some opposing voices like in parliament. Because I I voted for the first time this election, right? Uh Then my mom said I have to vote PAP now, get the trouble, I cannot buy a house next time. Oh, like BTO oh, yeah. or all that. <laughs> it's yeah, not true, guys. Yeah, which is not true. No, it's not true, but a lot of people genuinely believe that. They believe that your votes get tracked. I feel and like at like some that. point, maybe in the 60s, 70s, right? Because you got... You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just to try and get some votes, uh, you know? Back then, no internet yet, ma. I think even if they are not... I don't, I don't seriously think they are tracking votes, but even if they, they, are, they are not, right? It wouldn't hurt to let people have that lingering suspicion correct, and doubt, correct. right? Yeah. yeah. But they actively come out and say no though. Now yeah. la. Yeah. Yeah. La. But if you point your cynical head and the government finds out that you are a large donor for TOC, then what? They're gonna what tell your boss to fire you, they're gonna make the property in your area depreciate. Cannot be what right? they're not gonna fuck up the entirety of a precinct. Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's a lot of guesswork, right? Um, even if like the government has access to your funding, what they can or will do, we will never actually know, right? If, if let's say they decide to like what go and revoke your permit, your license, and your some building or your business or whatever, there could be like dozens and dozens of reasons for yeah. that happening. So how are you going to like trace it back to? Oh, it was because he gave this bag of money to Terry at TOC and that's why we are cracking down on them. But if the timing is so much of a coincidence, like they release the names and yeah. after it, one month later, something happens to them, then there's... Or they find out there's a list yeah. of like their 300 donors, for example, and all 300 donors <laughs> cannot... They manage to apply for something, right? Then we're like, okay. I think I think the, the government, if they were to try and pull something like that, they would be... Um, 
smarter than that. I, I, at least I hope so. <laughs> right. um, what really sticks out more, right, is not so much of who's giving money to TOC. It's the fact that it's TOC, this like super renegade anti-establishment uh, publication that you're giving donor, uh, donating money to, right? There's no other reason why you could be donating money to them, right? And that's what I think, that, that's what sticks out. You know? Why? Why do you say there's no other reason? You're just funding an alternative voice, ah? Like if, if you know, like if I fund like a let's say a fossil fuels company, like we could maybe say that oh um I have uh, investment opportunities or I have like uh, I want to further I believe in like right. their business plan oh, overseas. TLC Many reasons. If you fund TLC, <laughs> it, it's a, like a clear cut reason that this you don't really right. like the government. Okay, so in defense right? of of TLC, are you? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, okay, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's important to paint the full picture here. So, um, a couple of days before today, uh, which is time of filming, um, you're all going to watch this uh, in a little outdated mm. sense, right? But basically, the foreign intervention bill that was read in parliament, I think just two, three days ago, doesn't prohibit Singaporeans from saying anything about, like even badly about Singapore and Singapore's government. You can. Um, <laughs> And, I mean, the law actually states like that. Like, <laughs> okay. um, even if you are a foreigner, can you talk bad about Singapore? You can. Because um, you are sovereign. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as long as you obey, like, that, that you are transparent, <laughs> lo, then yeah. you, you, it's yourself, you're saying it's you, this is your opinion, that's it, you're not making up shit. Then and, this, and there's no falsehoods. La. Yeah, then you, you totally can. So the issue of why companies, or company, can we say companies, like TOC, that's in trouble right now in a sense because there are suspicions and reasons to believe. And if I'm not wrong, the folks at SMRT Feedback were one of the first few to uncover this shit. There were foreign funding that went into TOC, mm. and TOC also paid foreigners to write badly about Singapore. Yeah. Yeah, so for these two reasons, um, I, if I'm not wrong, okay, once again, not the law, it's just a f***ing podcast, relax, right? So while being investigated, they were just told to disclose their source of funding. Once again, I, I'm not sure if I have all the facts correct, but here's what I think. Here's so what I've gathered. So far, so good. Yeah. That basically, um, TOC did disclose the funding source mm. to a certain extent and then just described them as subscribers la, because it's like Patreon la, in that sense. Yeah. Um, but then, they all pay different amounts. Mm-hmm. And so, IMDA is asking why are there people that are paying super high amount as a subscriber and why, why some are just paying the, a very low amount as a subscriber, yep. what is the difference in benefits? So now we are looking at, as a media company, are you... Is there influence? Like, is yeah. The person that's paying more, do they um, get influence? And then TOC tries to say that the rest they are paying excess are donors, hmm. not subscribers. So then if donors, then you go into another act in which you need to declare. La. Yeah, so I mean, don't take away anything that, that, I mean, there's some form of silencing involved. I think it's, it's quite important that we get that right, so. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What does the ideal world look like when it comes to who governs the media and who owns the media? Because at the end of the day, like, people often say that the media in Singapore is, is government mouthpiece or is in effect owned by the government in some way. And so then you're going to get one-sided news. But you look to the US where it's free speech, you get lots of fake news, you get a lot of noise, people only listening to what they want to hear. It's undeniable that they have, the government do has influence over the Straits Times and Today and Mediacorp. But I don't think it's as exaggerated as the stereotype tends to put it out as, right? Because at the end of the day, all these uh, publications, they are also commercial entities. So they do have a lot of leeway to run their editorials as they see fit. It's not entirely government influence, but definitely there is like a, um, what's that? Um, 
there's this like favor, like the Democles, the sword hanging over your head, right? Like if you do something wrong, then that sword is going to drop on you. Yeah, I think that's the best um, metaphor I could use to describe the Singapore media. Actually, I have a question. Is press freedom and free speech the same thing? Um, Definitely, it's very interlinked. You know, there are a lot of complex policy issues in the world, right? And a lot of um, these complex issues, right, requires like dedicated teams of journalists to go and study and uncover and like you said, like play the, the fourth uh, estate role, right? Check the government and so on. Citizen journalists, right, cannot do that kind of role. You, you cannot have that kind of people who are just on the internet, like Googling around, yeah. collaborating with each other on Wikipedia or Reddit. Yeah. They can't do the same kind of investigative work, right, that dedicated teams of journalists with funding will do. So to, to answer your question, right, if you don't have a free press, then that kind of investigative journalism probably will be diminished. Definitely that society or that political climate, I would say it has a lower level of like uh, freedom of speech, yeah. So what are your thoughts on, on the social media landscape? For politics, like oh, this is a very tough question. You de- definitely you give me your, your normal version. I don't give you some economic answer. Yeah, de- definitely <laughs> has widened the scope for, for free speech, right? So back in like the 80s and the 90s, right, when you have like only the big media players who can publish on, on the news, right, before the internet. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like this term called like OB markers. Yeah. Right? I think it's still being in use these days, right? So the OB markers were very clearly drawn back in like the 90s. There are certain topics, yes, um, right. the media, and then there's an extension like public discourse, right? right. Because people take the cue so, yeah, from context, media. Uh, so OB marker is out of bounds markers. So uh, people in marketing would understand that, for example, OB markers in a marketing brief would then be don't use competitor colors, like, don't put competitor logo inside. Mm. Yeah, so basically things you cannot say. Yeah, so there are many OB markers traditionally in Singapore politics. Uh, like you can't talk, you can't insinuate corruption, right? Um, you, oh, can't, you can't insinuate. Um, I mean, look at what <laughs> what happened to the people who who uh, tried to like suggest that Lee Kuan Yew or, his, or his, his his colleagues were like corrupted, right? They got sued to to death. So I mean, it's like a informal sort of like boundary that if you are in politics in Singapore in the 90s, you don't really want to go into these topics unless you want to lose like your whole livelihood, right? Corruption is definitely one of them. You could say that lobbying is a form of corruption. Because like corporations giving a lot of money to governments, parliamentarians and saying that I give you this money, you pass my bill for me, right? That it technically is a form of corruption, but it's legal. I think it's not as seen upon as ugly as like under the table dealings. Right. Yeah. But lobbying is not allowed in Singapore, right? Definitely there is some extent of it going on. But like in, in countries like the States, you can join a lobbying company. Yeah, in like the West, it's much more open, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in Singapore, if you're a media company, uh, not, not saying any company in particular, but if you're a media company, you have taken funding than, I mean. from like private corporations or like the government. In that sense, it's a, some sense of like lobbying, right? Because you are being paid to put out a certain product or put out a certain message, right? So it, advertising is lobbying? Um, to some extent, probably. To some extent, you you yeah. got to declare that it's an ad. Yeah. La. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, like in tobacco companies in Singapore too, they, they are still like fighting back against like all these so regulations. I want to know your right? thoughts yeah. on social media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I tend to get sidetracked. So the OB markers that I was talking about, right, it has definitely widened a lot more. And the best example of that is you can go to websites like TOC, install these Instagram pages, very, very anti-PAP, and they are just like constantly around the clock pounding the stone, right? They are like, right. the government is this, government is that, they don't care about the poor, they just want to like uh, increase their ministerial salaries. And back in the 90s, there was no way you could have gotten such a big uh, hearing. So yes. social media definitely has widened the scope. Um, do you think it's good not, for Singapore? 
Yeah, so whether or not it's beneficial is, you know, Spider-Man has this like uh, quote, right? With great power comes great responsibility, right? And I think it's the same with like free speech in general. If you give people the freedom to say what they want on their mind, there will be a lot of good of it. And then you will get the whole rabbit crowd, which is like all they see wrong in Singapore is all um, accrued to the, the yeah. PAP, right? So you get some of the good and bad. Personally, my belief is that it's a good, it's an overall good. I think what people don't really pay attention to, right, is they, they don't look at a lot of um, positive uh, discussions that are happening on uh, topics that previously could, didn't really get as big of a hearing. For example, perhaps mental health or like the death penalty or like LGBT rights, right? Mm. These, all, these, all these topics, right, get a little bit of discussion back in the 90s, but now it's slowly widening and widening and widening because social media is that vehicle that allows like a small group of like very dedicated people to set up a, a page and then just like push the agenda on like the social issue that they care about, you know. It's societal problems like caused by the government, you know what I mean? Mm, because right. if someone is poor, one people can attribute that to, or oh, they're just lazy, mm. or if you really work hard, you can get out of it. Right? But yeah. then again, there is that whole like cycle that they are stuck in, which is also very true. So then mm. does the government have a hand to play mm. in this? Or is it really just they also never work hard enough and like what John said, is they just wanted to blame the government for it? Every society will have their own fair share of people who don't really work that much or who just choose not to and then later on in their life, they regret it, right? I think a lot of those people who are very disgruntled on the internet, who read TOC, who read Wake Up, Wake Up Singapore, right? These people probably, they... Don't want to deny that they, they don't have like their own hardships in life, right? But then just put, put yourself in their shoes, right? You're living in one of the richest countries in the world. You are below, say, average income standards as to most uh, citizens. And then you look at the media and then you look at like countries like Scandinavia or like Europe where they have like very, very bloated welfare states. Then the very natural kind of reaction is, why can't I have that too in Singapore? Mm. We have so much in the reserves. Why can't we just distribute some of it? I'm 60 already. I'm like pushing 70. So what is the reason for this? And then the ministerial salaries, right? When they, when that gets added on top of it, it's just like a, mm. it, it just explodes. Do you feel like Singapore needs more leveling pol- policies? More, more of a, does it, should it be more of a welfare state? I don't think so. I, 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 my, my answer is quite a staunch no, actually. But um, you know, it's very, it's, it's a very complex topic. It takes very long to unpack. True. Yeah. I think, I think on some, <laughs> I think on some, I think on some left wing issues, some left wing uh, policy agendas, there's some merit to it, right? Uh, yeah. Depends on what you're talking about. Sure. Yeah. The reason why I ask is because I, I find myself shifting. As I, as I grow older. Like, I think when I was in uni, I was broke. I was looking for part-time jobs. I was, you know, super idealistic. Very, very liberal. I want the world to be better. I want governments to come and intervene. I want unemployed people yeah. to, to have benefits, minimum wage to be installed, this kind of thing. And then as I'm working and I'm earning more and I'm earning more and I feel like, okay, yeah. I'm working hard, I'm getting what I deserve. And then you don't want to pay taxes. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not directly that, right? But sure. if I if I think back, so I, I did uni in Australia where tax is relatively slightly higher than Singapore, a little bit more welfare, there is unemployment benefits and things like that, right? I think back, okay, do I want to move to Australia and work there again or do I want to stay in Singapore, right? And at the end of the day, if I'm keeping more of what I earned, which I feel like I deserve, like that was one of the main reasons why I ended yeah. up wanting to stay in Singapore. Yeah, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. And I feel like, I think many people see the government as, and perhaps they're right, 
as I let you to solve my problems, mm. which is not how I see it. I see an elected government is the people that we vote upon that will make most of the decisions that's beneficial to most of us yep. in the long term or in the middle to long term. Someone brought this up to me like some years ago and it kind of astounded me that if we look back to the independence of Singapore, what was quite interesting was that how Lee Kuan Yew managed to win the election. Uh. You look at how in 1965 in Singapore when we were still backwater, pretty much education was shit, employment was not even formal, and Lee Kuan Yew is made out of a, a foreigner. Like I mean, he, he's a Singaporean that went to UK to study. Yep. He came back with his classmates. Mm. And he was a socialist, did you guys know that? Oh, yeah. Lee Kuan Yew yeah, was and, a socialist. And they like, vote for me. Like, yeah. it, it was a big leap of faith that that back then Singaporeans that don't understand the shit he was saying, yeah. don't understand what he could do for the country, don't understand any form of economic policy, would vote for someone like him. Because like there were also p- political opponents that were a lot more everyday than him also. Correct. That would say stuff like, I'll build a farm at your neighbourhood. You in know, dialect. I'll give you land. Yeah, in dialect and in Chinese also. Yeah, I mean, because you spoke all the dialects also. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, but in the first place, he went to collab with all those like Chinese like society leaders and all the different mm. dialect groups. Yeah. And then, like, but once again, it's a miracle that they listened to him. Like, they followed him. Actually, I have a question. Has minister pay always been this high? Like, even since like... No, actually. Um, like, at what point did it like... Lee Kuan Yew instituted the ministerial salary change. Mm. He did it at a time where he was planning for for himself to step down. Mm. Oh, and okay. I think it, I mean, I'm guessing now, I mean, that, that's all up to there is facts, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, the way I very, guess, very clear. I think he realised that nobody wants the job. Yeah. He couldn't get talents to want to do the job. Even right now, like knowing the pay salary, right? Having met some of the ministers and filmed with them, I, I mean, I see the privileges that they have. Um, it's, it's still not the same yeah, as... Yeah, nobody wants, like, I'm like, yeah. I feel a bit sad for them. Like, when the camera stopped rolling, I will ask them, like, are you okay? Like, do you regret taking the job? Like, even on um, um, doing things with ministers, like, I always ask them, do they regret going to public office? It's a shit job, eh. At least, here lah. I, I think if the goal is to, to bring together the brightest minds, right, we're looking at, like, poaching people from the public sector. And mm. most of the times, even the, as high as the minister... Private sector, you mean? The private sector, yeah. sorry. As high as the, the, the minister's pay are right now, right? Yeah. Most of them would have been earning more where if they were top, top, top lawyers or if they were CEOs. Of yeah, like, exactly. Of and you don't have to be subject to like the public scrutiny, right? I mean, exactly. Who, who, hey, you know what we're saying now? So what we are now is what the internet will label PAP IB. IB is what? Yeah, I went to Google that shit. Internet, internet Brigade. Brigade. Oh, yeah. to me, it's, it's international like... baccalaureate. <laughs> hey, Yo, did. small words. It's like... <laughs> Just like you say, astounded. Eh. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> so in 2007, right, there was an article on, on the Straits Times. It's quite interesting. So sources told the Straits Times, Straits Times published it. And it was basically about how the PAP was forming a new media community, right? To create right. anonymous accounts and to go into blogs and forums to basically dispel or to rebut like anti-establishment. Oh, news. shit! Oh yeah. shit, but this was a source to Straits Times. A source to Straits Times, and it was quite detailed, la, but um, I don't think it was confirmed. It, this was back in 2007. The article has been taken down from Straits Times. It was republished on another website. Right. Mm-hmm. Wait, but hired by the government? No, the party. Yeah. The party. And they called it the Internet Brigade. They, they didn't call it the Internet Brigade. Oh, okay. la, but yeah. I think this is where that, that, <laughs> that idea that came from. Hilarious, I think. It, it would have been hilarious. But I think something that was interesting, at least on the COVID front, right, is mm. how our like opposition party and, and leading party like lines up. 
Mm. Like they, as in, mm. they, they promote the same kind They're of measure. Yeah. 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 Like yeah, that's a that's a very good observation actually because you notice in in Singapore politics, right? <laughs> everything that the PAP is for, the opposition parties tend to try and take an oppositional stance mm. to it. Surprisingly, on like the COVID uh, issue, the lockdowns and all that, right? Um, they were relatively aligned. I think the only disputes there were were about like how much of the reserves you should yeah. open up and that kind of thing, mm. right? But most of them, they were aligned on like locking down. Something I go back to though, looking at why Singaporeans are unhappy. I think it was the NCMP and Tia Ong that brought it up. I'm not sure if it's, if it's her, but I, I think it's her. She raised the question, it was a fairly neutral question, that Singapore is cynical in a sense whereby we are always trying to accumulate reserves. We want to grow, we want to make sure that we are number one, number one, number one. And yeah, that, that, that's important to lift us of poverty and makes us richer and stuff. I think she asked the question along the lines of how much do we need to have before we can say it's enough? Mm. Let's lift the poor of today, mm. not the next generation. Mm. And, I, and I think about that sometimes, you know, like not saying that there's something magical that funding can just fix and, and the people that are struggling in life will no longer struggle in life. Yeah. Yeah, but the question of how much is enough? Because we, we grow up looking at how Singapore government is very prudent with our uh, savings and all that stuff. And then with COVID, you see like, what like, we smash eh. Like the, we really like fracking balls here, all there. Yeah. And honestly, some of those schemes really built us out. Like if not, I think our, our own business might be in trouble. Yeah. And not a single loan was taken throughout, throughout that period, which oh, I thought wow. was great. Yeah, but the question comes back to then how much hmm. is enough? And I felt like that was a good question to think about. But I don't think there is enough though, because it kind of feels like once we stop, right? then we are forming a problem for like the future. Yeah. It's, you're basically mm. planning for like the unforeseen, right? I mean, it's like you plan a family. Certainly, there reaches a certain point where you will not want to keep saving. You'll be like, you know what, I'm just going to buy a car. I'm yeah. going to buy like that new watch or whatever. But then when we plan for ourselves, we know our own goals very well. But how do you do that for like a country? Right. Or rather, you know that your life is difficult. finite. Yeah. Then the country should live on. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> Yeah. It's, yeah. it's saying that you want to cash out your CPF, right? Mm-hmm. When you're saying enough is enough. I, yeah. re- I have reached retirement age. But as a country, there will always be people that are born today that cannot mm-hmm. afford for our statesmen to say, let's retire the country. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know how you feel about such discussions. Is it too much? Is it too intense? Not like fun enough? Or if you want it to be more like this, so let us know. Or this is as intense as I get. La. <laughs> yeah, let, let us know. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. If you enjoy what you watch, remember to like, share and subscribe and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.